bless you with the heavenly vantage point, everything looks completely different. The possibilities are different. Your capacities are different. Not because your capacities are different, but because his capacity is unlimited and he's looking for available people. And I believe, my friends, that God wants to use each and every one of us more powerfully than we can ever imagine. Change your perspective and you'll change your life. This is so true. The framework through which you see the world makes a huge difference in how you'll respond to your circumstances. Pastor Daniel echoes these thoughts in today's message from Numbers 14. He urges you to ask God to give you his perspective so that you can reach past what you know and the things you see to experience the infinite possibilities of God's amazing power. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 14 as he begins his message, Refusal and Rebellion. All right, let's open up in your Bibles to the book of Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14 as we continue our study here in the book of Numbers. You guys have been missing being in Numbers, haven't you? Amen. Listen, we want you to read it along with us in the Bible. We want you to see where we're getting this stuff from. But the book of Numbers, it's the fourth book in your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then the book of Numbers, chapter 14, in a message that I've entitled, A Refusal and Rebellion. So, an ominous title. But something that I believe all of us can identify with pretty strongly The Bible tells us that all of these things were written for our admonition, for us to be confronted with somebody else's story and to find ourselves in their story and say, God, I want to learn from somebody else's either great victories or greatest mistakes so that we do not make the same mistakes as the people who've preceded us in following God. Such an important thing. How often... Have we not heeded the wise counsel of someone who said, look, I made the same mistake, don't do it. And we're like, oh, I'll do it anyway. And we do it. And we're like, I should have just listened. It would have been so much better. And the Bible was given to us not to teach us about human mistakes, but to teach us about the grace of God. We didn't need the Bible to learn about human mistakes. We have the newspaper or online news or, you know, whatever your favorite news source is. We get that all the time, Right? But really what we need the Bible for is to meet a good God in the midst of a rebellious people. And we find this over and over and over again. And so we pick up in the book of Numbers. If you recall, the children of Israel are on the edge of the promised land. When God delivered them from slavery in Egypt, he said, look, I'm delivering you from slavery and into the promised land. And I always make that point that God doesn't just take us from things. He takes us from things that he might usher us into new things. And I think what happens for a lot of us is we want God to deliver us from the things that hurt, but we, like the children of Israel, don't necessarily want to go into God's blessings. 
We just want to be out of the pain and we're fearful to step into God's best for us. God delivered the children of Israel from slavery so that he can bring them into the promised land, give them their own land, their own heritage, their own place to grow and flourish. And they've traveled from Sinai. Now they're there on the border of the promised land. And God says, look, I want you to send 12 spies into the land. They're going to go do some recognizance work. They're going to find out about the people, the cities, bring back some of the fruit, and let us know what you think. And one person from each one of the tribes was there, so the entire people were represented. It wasn't like, oh, we don't like, we don't know who they sent. And every person, they had a representative. And if you recall, when they came back, they came back with fruit that was so big, it took two men to carry it. And they came back and they said, listen, the land is an amazing land. Look at this fruit. This is amazing. There are strong cities. There's giants in the land. And out of the 12 spies, two of them said, God has given us this land. We need to go. Yes, there are walled cities, but God is with us. And 10 people said, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's walled cities. We'll never, we'll never survive this. And we left off at the end of chapter 13 with the question of perspective. So much about the way you look at the world and your life, it's all a question of perspective. Are you going to look at your life and the world through the natural eyes of what is humanly possible, the eyes of the flesh based on what we can see, or will you allow the Lord to place the goggles of the Holy Spirit on your life? Not to look at the natural, but to look at the supernatural. To not look at just what we can figure out, but say, God, what do you see? And will I live with what you see, or will I be limited by what I see? See, all 12 spies had the same information. 10 of them looked at it in the natural and said, there's absolutely no way this is possible. We can't do it. We're not strong enough. We're not big enough. We don't have enough power. We don't have enough resources. And two of them said, no, no, God has given us this land. It's ours. Now, because you and I already know God's vantage point, we all realize that God wants to give them this land right now. That even though the circumstances look dire, God had promised them that land and wants to give them the land. So we already realize what God's will is. But the question for you is, are you looking at your life through the natural eyes of what is seen and what you know can work out, just being mindful of what's going on around you and saying, oh, because of these things, this is what's going to happen? Or are you saying, God, I want your vantage point. I want to see things the way you see them. I want to see my life the way you see it. Because I'm here to tell you, when you allow God to bless you with the heavenly vantage point, everything looks completely different. The possibilities are different. Your capacities are different. Not because your capacities are different, but because his capacity is unlimited and he's looking for available people. And I believe, my friends, that God wants to use each and every one of us more powerfully than we can ever imagine. I believe that God, by placing his Holy Spirit in the people of God, I believe that Jesus said we will do greater things than Jesus did. Now, I don't know how that's humanly possible, because it's not humanly possible. This is God's plan. But even when Jesus, how many times have you read that in John's gospel, and you're like, yeah, I know. I mean, he's, he's Jesus. He, he's God in flesh. How am I going to do great thing, greater things? But again, that's us with human eyes looking at circumstances that look dire 
See, our negative circumstances are God's opportunities. Or as Pastor Bill Ritchie would say, God opportunities. It's a hokey phrase, but it's so right on the money, isn't it? I'm sure that most of us today, you've had moments of today that you're looking things totally in the natural. You see what it is. You say, I'm limited. I can't do this. It's never going to work out. You're faithless, hopeless, fearful. And I believe that if not anything else, just from the introduction, God wants to take you from outside of that and say, look, this is how I see things. This is how I see you. This is how I see the circumstances. Because throughout your Bible and here as well, God's plan absolutely crushes the vision of the people. They can't even fathom it. They can't even fathom that God could do this, given who they are. But it was already in God's heart to do this. So look at what happens. Chapter 14, book of Numbers, verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Now, notice, the children of Israel, get, they get hysterical, right? They start weeping. They start crying out. And they start talking nonsense. Now, listen, when you get hopeless, faithless, and fearful, you're going to start talking nonsense. And listen, as a family of faith, we need to, when someone's talking nonsense to us, we need to lovingly say, that's nonsense. You're talking nonsense. I mean, think about what they're saying. Look what they say. This is amazing. If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? And then they say, let us select a new leader to go back. Now, think about the nonsense of what they're just talking about. They watch God deliver them by a mighty hand over and over and over again. God brought quail. He was feeding them miraculously every single day. They saw all of the pyrotechnics of Sinai. And they're like, we just want to go back to slavery. That is better than this. See, the problem with being fearful, hopeless, and faithless is that you're using selective memory. You're forgetting all the things that God has already done in your life. And we need to lovingly remind one another, say, listen, I know right now 
because of the way you feel, this all makes sense. But didn't God do this? Hasn't you seen God this? Remember when God walked you out of this? The testimony of God's faithfulness in our lives, in our history, points us forward to God's faithfulness in the future. God has already done exceedingly miraculous things in their lives, in the recent past. And they're like, we're going to die. But they're completely off the rails here. God did not deliver them from Egypt that they would fall by the sword and that their wives and children would become victims. See, their faithlessness and hopelessness is maligning the character of God. Now, I read this and I realize some of us are right there right now. The what ifs, could happens, might happens, you're you're bound up in them. Did God really deliver you from evil to bring a greater calamity on you? Is that really who the God who, when he created humanity, said, this is very good? The God who sent his own son to die on a cross and to rise again and and to ascend to heaven so that the spirit could come in and dwell us. Is that really God's plan for our life? Absolutely not, my friend. Not even close. Not even for a second. But when we get hysterical, we start to act that way. We forget who God is and what he has done. The children of Israel are like, look, let's get rid of Moses and Aaron. We're done with those dudes. We want to find someone who will bring us back to bondage in Egypt. That's what they come up with. And notice what happens. Right as that happens, Moses and Aaron, in verse 5, they fall on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of Israel. So they literally prostrate themselves before the Lord and before the people. Like, these men realize what they're saying, and they're like, oh, no. And they get on their faces before them and before the Lord. And notice, first Moses and Aaron act out submission to the Lord, and then Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, they begin to speak to the people. These were the two spies out of the 12 who trusted God who looked beyond the circumstances and looked at the almighty God and listened to what they said. The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Only, verse 9, do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us, Do not fear them. My friends, I'm not big on writing in in my Bible, but if I was going to write my Bible, I'd be underlining these. So if you want, you can just grab a pen and underline your neighbor's Bible. (laughs) This is a good word for us, isn't it? He's saying, look, the land is rad. We want to be, it's a posh land. Now, the land flowing with milk and honey is an old school way of saying, it's like living in Costco with unlimited freebies. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like everywhere you go, all the food's free, everything's free, and, it's, and, and there's food everywhere. Milk and honey, that means your cattle will have lots of grazing land. They'll be able to produce a lot of milk. Honey was a delicacy in that day. It wasn't everywhere. And so a land flowing with milk and honey meant it was a fertile land. It was a good land. They're saying, look, this place is the bomb. It's good. And notice what he says. Not only is this land really good, but... If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us. Now, here's the question. Does the Lord delight in his people? Absolutely. You know why? Because there is people. Listen, if you're a child of God, God delights in you 
God knows you're in process, but he delights in you because you're his people. It's like, look, any parent, right? Your kids can be all over the place, but they're your kids, right? And even though sometimes you want to brain them, everybody knows I'm, no one's raising Jesus here, so you all know what I'm talking about. You love your kids. Sometimes you're just like, man, what is up with you, you know? But, but you love them because they're your kids, And you pray for them, and you talk with them, and you care about them, and you challenge them, and sometimes you punish them because you're like, look, this can't go this way. But you still love them, right? You still stick them on your Christmas card. (laughs) Even though it takes like 900 photos to get a photo you can actually put on a Christmas card, right? You know, it's like, you guys pray for me. I'll pray for you guys. This is how it goes. But you love your kids because they're your kids. And you know that they're growing, and they're not what they're going to be, and they're not what they used to be. But you love them. Like, let me give you an example. My little baby Annabelle, she's 10 months, and she's walking. And she's terrifying. Because not only does she walk like she's had one too many Jack and Cokes, but everything she finds on the ground, she puts in her mouth. We never had one of these before. Like, everything on the floor goes in her mouth. And so, like, literally, like, someone, she, she needs, like, a whole posse of people who goes before her to pick up things before she gets them. Or you're following her around because she's, like, pine needles from the Christmas tree. She's sticking it in her mouth. And you're like, Annabelle, you swipe it in her mouth. She's like, you know, and she starts coughing. And you're just like, this is a mess. But guess what? I love that mess. It's all messed up. And one day she's not going to eat pine needles, I hope. But you love her, and you're like, it's a great memory. One day she's going to grow up and be like, you used to eat pine needles, you know? She'll probably end up with a pine-scented thing in her car or whatever, you know? But it's like, you delight in them because it's your child, and that's how God feels about us. And God wants to bring the children of Israel in the promised land, and God wants to bless you. And so because God delights in them, God's going to do what he said. And now notice, only, notice that. God delights in his people, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. Man, that is two really important things. One, don't rebel against the God who delights in you and wants to bless you. That's the first thing. And two, don't fear the people. Now, what's really interesting, if we look at our own hearts, we fear people, and we don't fear the Lord, right? So, so, most of us, we rebel against God, and we fear people. And so we do all these things to make people happy, but we're dishonoring God because we don't want anyone to think that we're whatever, right? And in the process, we rebel against the Lord. And really, God wants us to live the exact opposite way. Because God delights in you and wants to bless your life, not with all the material things. I don't believe that God wants you to drive a Mercedes or whatever your favorite car is because you're a child of the king and that's what you deserve. Listen, if you can afford it, and, and that's between you and the Lord, but I don't believe that it's like that's all God's kids need to live like, like the Kardashians or something. You know? I believe that God wants to bless you with his presence. God wants to bless you by allowing you to partner with him to recreate the world in Jesus' name. Right? But the reason so many of us are not experiencing that is because we're busy rebelling against God because we're fearing people. Those two things actually come together. If the favor or the agreement of the people around you is really what drives you, then really people are your God. The approval of people being liked by people. And I'm here to tell you, sometimes when you're honoring God, the people around you are not going to like it. 
unless they love the Lord. And even sometimes people who love the Lord won't like it. I'll tell you a great story. There was a man named John G. Patton. He was a missionary to what is today Vanuatu. Back in the day, it was called the New Hebrides. And what's interesting is if you read Travel Magazine, Vanuatu over the last like 10 years is always one of the most beautiful places in the world. Sometimes it wins or it's in the top three. But back now 160 years ago, you know who lived in Vanuatu? Cannibals, Hannibal Lecter type people. People hate people. And missionaries tried to go there and literally a set of missionaries tried to go there and they got off the boat, they rode into Vanuatu and the people on the boat watched as they killed those two missionaries and ate them, horrified on the boat, right? So about 20 years later, a man named John G. Patton, who God was using in a really powerful way, he was collecting street kids and bringing them to Sunday school class. And he had like 500 of these street kids who would come and they'd listen to him preach and they gave their lives to Jesus and, and he was discipling them. He's like, I need to go to Vanuatu, New Hebrides. And he went to one of the elders of his church. And he said, I believe God's calling me to the New Hebrides. You know what the elder said? Don't go. You'll be eaten by cannibals. This is a godly man. Don't do it. And, and John G. Patton was young and a little snarky, which I can appreciate. And he told this guy, he's like, brother, whatever his name is, you are advanced in years, and soon you will die, and your body will be eaten by worms. And if your body is eaten by worms and mine is by cannibals, both of us will get a new, our bodies back in the resurrection of Jesus. Now, that's kind of a profound statement. But you know what's amazing? John Patton went to New Hebrides. And you know what? He never got eaten by cannibals. You can read his autobiography. It's actually a riveting read. He almost died a lot of times. But people started giving their lives to Jesus. And then, you know, it's amazing. After like 30 years in the New Hebrides, when he went back, they told him he should have stayed and died there. And I say that because sometimes even godly people won't encourage you to do the things God's asking you to do. Because people act and talk without praying about it. My friends, we need to follow Jesus and not fear people. You know what I've learned? Nobody's going to agree with everything you do anyway. Even if you follow what everybody wants you to do, there's going to be someone back. You shouldn't be doing that. There's, everybody's got an opinion about everything. And the only opinion that really matters is, what does God want from me? What is God's will for my life? And oftentimes, God's will for my life goes roughshod over what everybody wants for you. But you were created and you are sustained by God. And your life is actually his life. You know how I know? Because our Bibles tell us that we were bought with a price. And we are not our own. Jesus is real. God delights in his children. Just thinking about you brings him joy. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that God wants to bless you because he loves you so much. He's inviting you to partner with him as he changes the world. But as you noticed, God always gives you a choice. You won't experience his presence and partnership if you're seeking the approval of people rather than God. So don't miss out on the amazing things God has in store for you by trying to gain what will never satisfy. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus' Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give 
Thank you for partnering with us. Hey everyone, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'd love to hear from you and find out what kind of an impact this radio program has had on you. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655-360-256-4655 or send me a quick email at real at danielfusco.com. I can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in your life. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when you'll hear that once again, Moses stands in the gap for the children of Israel. Pastor Daniel will explain that the Lord is angry with his people because they rejected him. But Moses intercedes for them by appealing to God's character. In this way, Moses is a type and shadow of Jesus, our mediator. Pastor Daniel will share that you too can appeal to God's character in prayer. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Wilderness. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.